welcome to this week's podcast. I'm really excited to have today uh, Mike McDaniel, the director of the Summit Network. Uh, Tiffany and I had a chance to sit down with him to learn more about the growth they're experiencing as a network and some of their strategic changes they're implementing to accommodate for this growth. The Summit Network is a church planning network out of the Summit Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, pastored by J.D. Greer. And through the network and their partnership with the North American Mission Board over the last seven years, the Summit Church has had nearly 40 church planters participate in their residency program, and they've sent over 500 of their own members to be a part of church planning teams all over North America. 500 of their church members in the last seven years have helped to plant churches all over North America. Uh, There's no question that the Summit Church is one of the best examples of what it means to be a church planting church here in North America today. Uh, So Mike McDaniel was intimately involved in this journey from the very beginning. So in this episode, he tells the story of uh, how the Summit Network got started, the the, the behind the scenes of that, uh, and then how they're championing church planting within their denomination and what they're doing today to plant churches for the next generation. So get out your notepads or your Evernote because you're going to want to take some notes. Mike, super excited to have you here uh, with us on the podcast today. So can you uh, quickly just share with us, what are you doing at the Summit Network and uh, what does your work entail? Yeah, so I wear three hats. Um, One, um, oversee leadership development um, within our church. So basically our leadership pipeline, how do we discover people that are called to church planning, develop them for it, and, and eventually send them out. Um, the second is North American church planning. So um, specifically, I put a lot of time into our, our residency, mm-hmm. um, investing in um, our, our planters. And then lastly, Summit Network. So, um, But that's becoming, I think, an uh, increasing part of uh, my job is, as, you know, what happens post-sending. Basically, how do we continue to um, equip, care for um, our guys, and then and then help them to become reproducing churches themselves, uh, which is something I'm sure we'll get to that we're putting a lot of thought and energy into mm. now is how do we how do we see um, churches that, that plant churches um, um, to the to the third generation at least is, yeah. is kind of the hope. So. Yeah. So give us a little bit of history. How, how did how did Summit come into church planting, and then where in that journey did you insert yourself or, or were inserted? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I guess it depends on who you ask whether I inserted myself or not. I did I did literally walk through were... JD's off and say, I'll take the job. Oh, um, okay, so you inserted yourself. Uh, well, they tried to hire somebody else first. Um, he said no, and I was like, I'll do it. So... <laughs> Um, our hiring process, I think, is a little bit more complicated than it, than it used to be. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, Summit's had a, a pretty rich um, history uh, in terms of missions and church planning. Um, in fact, it actually goes back all the way to our start, which mm-hmm. is a, a funny story that uh, that we didn't discover until a few years ago. Mm. Um, the, the person who literally planted our church did so... Um, with a, uh, a prayer that it would be a church that reached the nations. He, he preached one sermon and then he went to the mission field, which wow. we didn't, we didn't know until, <laughs> That's awesome. until literally about five years ago. Um, and, and at that point realized that this was way bigger than, you know, any of us, we could claim no responsibility whatsoever for it. But anyway, um, you know, 
the, the part of the story that most people are familiar with started about 15 years ago um, when the church was going through a renewal, revitalization, called J.D. to be the pastor. And J.D. had spent years overseas post-seminary as a, a missionary and church planner in Southeast Asia. And so had a, he had a huge heart for the nations, obviously, and felt like the only reason he could come back was if he planted a church that was going to be about sending more people to nations. So um, that's really been a big part of our heartbeat um, um, since Homestead Heights Baptist became the Summit Church, but even before that, um, about, um, gosh, it's probably been um, 10 years ago, they, uh, Summit had done a lot of stuff overseas, and we had helped start some churches in the U.S., probably, you know, what your stereotypical church, if they've been involved in church planning, has done. Uh, which is we knew some guys that were going out planting churches that we believed in, got behind them financially, sent out short-term trips, mm-hmm. kind of did that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but we hadn't sent. Um, we even had had a couple of guys that used to be on staff go out and plant, but we hadn't sent. It was more their vision than ours. And so um, we began to ask the question, just because we were serious about the Great Commission, mm-hmm. what would it look like to set a goal of planting a 1,000 churches in our generation? which just basically means let's be, let's do this with urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and then secondly, what does it mean to be a sending church? Mm-hmm. Um, and I sat down with actually four or five of those guys that Summit had helped plant and some other guys I knew that had planted churches, one of which was a guy named Aaron Coe that planted a church called Gallery in New York, which is really familiar in, in uh, Baptist circles. But um, I sat down with Aaron and uh, he said something that I'll never forget. He said, um, he said, you know, everyone loved at the time. It's less common now to quote that statistic, statistic that says like 90% of church plants fail, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Which wasn't ever true, but made a great right. recruiting tool yeah. for like everybody's yeah. training and residency program. Right. So um, Aaron said, why is it that whenever we quote that statistic or when we talk about church plants failing, we always point the finger at the church planner? Mm. We never pointed at the church that sent them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if there's anything that is underneath how mm. we think about church planning and what it means to be a, a sending church, it's that. Right. What does it look like for us to um, really own the success or failure of the churches that we plant? We know that that's not ultimately in our hands, that it's in God's hands. Um, but... Um, we do take responsibility for it. And so how do we put church planners in the best position to succeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we put them in a position to hopefully thrive and, and not merely survive this thing? Mm-hmm. And what we've seen over the last um, 10 years of doing that is that man, it just makes an exponential impact, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the plant itself. But then also, um, you know, in, as, those, as that church begins to plant churches, mm-hmm. you know, even beyond. As a sending church, what do you think are like one or two of the things that, wow, this is one of the nuggets that we've learned in the process that we really need to continue doing? Like if you were to tell someone else how to be a sending church, what are one or two mm, things that you've learned in in your experiences? Yeah, um, I think know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of great research out there on 
what it takes to plan a church and church planning assessments and all those kind of things. And there's lots of tools out there that the churches can use. Um, but I think if you're going to own this, mm-hmm. you, you, you can't outsource that. Right. So at some level, you've got to, you've got to dig in and figure out, Hey, what does this take to do this? All right. Now, now we can not only make sure that we're sending out people that are ready, but we know what to develop towards. We know. So that begins to influence your whole culture because now you know what the target is and you can begin to try and cultivate that, that target in, in your church. So that would be, that would be one. Um, you know, another one would just be that, hey, this isn't easy. You know, it's, it's sacrificial. And um, it, it is true. You know, J.D. kind of wrote the book on it, Gaining by Losing. It is true. Yeah. We do feel like at the end of the day our, our church benefits more yeah. than, than we lose. Yeah. Um, our churches continue to grow as we've planted out churches. But, you know, it's, it is painful. It's costly. I was joking with J.D. the other day because— he always feels this, right? Mm-hmm. It's my job to like to cost us good leaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so he loves you, but he hates you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. So uh, Bill Hybels uses the term terminology like pluses and minuses when it right. comes to staff, and it's yeah. just a way of thinking about you know what positions your staff are more likely to add people, yeah. bring people as opposed to which ones aren't. And he he jokes that I'm a double minus. Like <laughs> not only do I not add anybody, but hey, that means you're doing your away. that yeah. means you're doing your job well. right. <laughs> um, so you know every year I when we at the end of the year at the end of our process we'll stand up all the people that are leaving and you know usually you're looking up there and you're seeing some of our best leaders and, wow. and people that have been you know, dedicated to the church for a long time. And there may be, you know, a hundred of those people standing up there. And, and I know him well enough that I can see every year, like him go through that, that process of like, Ooh, mm. yeah. but, you know, but, but reconcile himself to the fact that this yeah. is the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we were, we were joking because um, I'm, we're sending out a guy this year that, that I've worked with for the last five years, started working with him when he, when he was a first year um, seminary student, just tried my best to pour and invest in this guy. He's helped really build this with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's the first time I think I really feel that pain <laughs> yeah. because I'm like, oh, I'd love to keep you. But now you know. But yeah. this is now it, man. Know. This is yeah. what it's. This, no, That's right. I, it's 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 pretty awesome mm-hmm. yeah. to, to get to be a part of that. So. Yeah. yeah. So what's that transition from being a a church that's just sponsoring a church plant to now a church that's actually intentionally building systems mm-hmm. to develop, recruit, train, uh, not just from the outside but from within? Like what's what's the what's been the sh- the shift in your thinking? Yeah, to, so to do that, we use the terminology of planting versus sending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we use that terminology just because you know. Planting was kind of an already established term, right. um, but it meant a lot of different things. Um, so a lot of churches say, hey, we planted five churches, but that can mean all kind of different things. Right. Um, and it's still a valuable term mm-hmm. because uh, we don't need to lose sight of the fact that it takes many churches often to plant a church, um, and, and that's valuable. Um, but sending, sending is we're investing so much into this that— you know, essentially, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen or it wouldn't be the same if if we weren't um, investing that much. Um, you know, I think you can plant 
programmatically, I think sending requires a culture shift. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're at Exponential. Uh, Exponential has been leading out in this level five conversation for a while. Um, it seems like every every switch from one level to another is a, it's a culture shift. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's it's not just a programmatic shift. Something's got to change in your mm-hmm. culture in order for this to happen. So with sending, um, if if your people are going to really respond when you stand up there and say, "Hey, we're planting a church here, and we want you to go," you know, consider going with this guy. Um, you, there's something that you've got to fundamentally change about how you think about discipleship. Mm-hmm. For that to for that to bear right. fruit, right? Yeah, because you're teaching this this culture. You're trying to disciple this culture into into your your right. your. I, I hate to say it this way, but your lowest level leadership. It so, perver- it begins to pervade everything. Yeah, you know. So we, um, uh, part of our uh, our family ministry plan, part of our plan for how we want to s- disciple kids, students, families from. Um, I mean, literally from preschool on, hmm. um, includes sending now. Mm-hmm. So we want, you know, we want kid families to take their kid on their first mission trip by the time they're in junior high school. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's that's just the result of thinking pervasively about this being an important part of their discipleship. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's huge. So, so when you get to the point where you have to build systems around it, you know. Um, planter care, uh, you're kind of going beyond the typical church that's, you know, sponsoring a church plant and even sending people. But you get, it sounds like you guys are at a point now where you're thinking about planter care, uh, the survivability, the health of your planters and taking full responsibility, like a, a good parent would of a, another church. Um, what strategically, what have you had to do as a church to, to ensure that that, that happens? Yeah, that's where the the network piece has begun to come into play. So um, we didn't set out to start a network. We set out to basically plant churches. Um, but what happened is the more we planted churches, the more those guys wanted to stay connected to each other, wanted to right. stay connected right. to us because, because they're all being sent out of our church. They share more DNA in common than, mm-hmm. you know, uh, your, your church plants stereotypically might. Um, now, they're not clones. You know, they're not going to plant little summit churches, um, but there is this common DNA. And so they want to stay together, their family. Mm-hmm. And and so we feel like we kind of stumbled into a network just because we wanted to have that family connectivity. But then also it, it facilitates um, some of that care and coaching better than we can as a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. Obviously, a, a local church can can um, they can do check ins with their planters and they can do co- there was a, there was a season in this where you know JD and I were on a, a Skype call um, once a month with all of our planters mm-hmm. um, and and we could you know we could check in we right. could care for these guys you're doing the coaching you're doing, yeah, yeah but we're but we're past that point yeah. and and so now we need to we need to bring in other guys that have been out there mm-hmm. you know for five years. And, and they're going to have, they're honestly going to have probably more helpful things to say than we will because neither of us has planted a church. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, but it's, but those are the kind of resources 
that are at our disposal. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, we're a part of the SPC, and the SPC is this this big family mm-hmm. that can accomplish, frankly, all kinds of things that we yeah. could never accomplish. Yeah. Um, and and all of our plants are part of that as well. What the network functions like is is in some ways more like a local association would, yeah. just without geographic boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. It just provides that kind of connectivity, care, yeah. learning, coaching yeah. that, um, you know, when you're in a big tribe that represents a lot of different, yeah. right. um, a lot of diversity, um, it can be hard to find out yeah. there in that bigger mm-hmm. tribe. Yeah. It reminds you that you're part of a family of churches, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like, like this, this, you know, the family tree and you yeah. know kind of where you're coming from and, yeah. and your, the plants that your, that your, your churches are going to plant. They'll know that in some ways, you know, some, mm-hmm. it was a grandfather, grandmother church. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what does that look like then? Are you, I mean, does that, do you incorporate as a network? I mean, what is, yeah, this is helpful to those other churches that are at a similar point where, you know, they've got five, six, seven, maybe, you know, 10 churches that they've planted and they're relationally connected with. Uh, what are you doing in terms of infrastructure? Yeah, we've actually spent a lot of time talking about that over yeah. the last uh, couple of years. Um, you know, we've wrestled with integrated auxiliary, if you want to get into the details, um, 501c3, you know, pros and cons of, of both. Um, uh, we've, we've looked at other networks, um, and, and looked at what they've done. Um, I, it looks like our immediate future is going to continue to operate as an integrated auxiliary, Mm -hmm. but it seems inevitable that we'll have to launch out as a nonprofit at some point. Um, you know, a lot of this, um, is that tension of, uh, what does it mean to be a founding church? Mm-hmm. I guess is one way of looking at it. So, um, one of the things I've done in the season is just reach out to different guys that, you know, when you have it, when you have a church that has played a significant role in starting a lot of, a lot of churches, right. it's a lot like having kids. Like, right. um, you've, you've invested in them, you've sacrificed, like, mm-hmm. poured resources in them, you've sent people with them. Yeah. And because of that, like, there's a, and there's a lot of honor and respect that they have, and there's some authority that you have to speak mm-hmm. into their life, right? Mm-hmm. But just like as a parent, as your kid grows up, you know, if you don't begin to pull that back and restrain it, right, right, um, you don't let the, them, yeah, let the, them, heli- the helicopter parent, yeah, yeah, like yeah you don't be a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you don't learn how to restrain that and let them stand on their own two feet, then eventually, you know, they'll reject it. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, in the same way, I think you've. If you want, especially you want to see them plant churches and them own the vision and mm-hmm. them, um, and this becomes something that's more exponential, you've got to take that step back and take more of the position of, hey, we're one church yeah. mm-hmm. that's trying to plant a lot of churches. Let's let's collaborate together. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not running the show. Yeah. 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 Uh, you guys... Uh, you mentioned this, you plant SBC churches, um, and you guys have done a great job at um, participating with um, uh, uh, with NAM. And can, can you talk about that relationship and how, as a, as a church that's planting a lot of churches, how that's a strategic alignment for you? 
Yeah, totally. Um, there, there are so many things that Nam does really well that, you know, frankly, we couldn't do. I mean, mm-hmm. um, where the assessment is at, where the the training is at, man, those are. I wish those things existed <laughs> when we started, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, uh, we felt like we had to just pull a lot of different things together. Um, you know, obviously there are the resources that come from the cooperative program mm-hmm. that are fueling church planning around the country. Um, and that has, I mean, you, you can't undersell the value of those kind of things. Um, at the same time, like I said, the SPC is a large entity. Even NAM is a large organization. Right. Yeah. And um, they're trying to do this all over the country. Um, I think where these smaller, you know, whether you want to call them networks or something like associations can play a role is, is in providing some of that care on a micro level mm-hmm. um, that, you know, is, is, is more difficult to provide when you're trying to, when you're trying to care for thousands of churches, right. yeah. thousands of church plants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we kind of need a both and. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to a, uh, a, a, leader of another uh, large denomination that, that's planting a lot of churches as well. And he, he, and he loves the fact that their churches are multiplying and developing their own networks. But as a denominational leader, he's wondering, how do I relate to these new networks that are emerging from within our denomination? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you guys have developed a pretty good relationship with your denomination and mm-hmm. your network. And so how, how can you coach like a denominational leader who they have a lot of gifted reproducing multiplying churches but they're having a hard time relating to to mm-hmm. that church yeah i think it begins with just having a realistic perspective of your own shortcomings you know and and appreciating you know the strengths that the denomination has so mm-hmm. to use you know common language the whole idea of movements versus institutions right mm-hmm. and and keller talks about how we need both yeah which is something we miss out on a lot yeah that's right. movements have this sense of urgency this this sense of something happening and it's exciting but you know movements would often like resources staying power mm-hmm. um the the collective knowledge and experience that comes from a really really rich history um and so they can be prone to make mistakes. They can, you know, stumble over their own toes, those, those kind of things. You know, um, on the flip side, institutions provide those kind of things. And that's how we look at ourselves. We're, we're a small movement within this larger institution. Mm-hmm. Hopefully what we're doing as a movement is benefiting the institution as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't want to disconnect in any way from um, that institution because I think I think that's where – these micro movements help institutions become more movement like, mm-hmm. right. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, it keeps the, it keeps the the analogy I see in my head is it's like a younger brother versus an older brother, and both are equally valuable, but one has mm-hmm. this almost this like ability to influence the youthfulness, I guess, right. of the other, and, uh, and poor wisdom draw it out sometimes, and draw it out. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even something as simple as just learning how to speak like positively and well of, yeah. each, of each other and celebrate each other, yes. you know? So like we even try to just, just be intentional. I think it can be easy when you're 
kind of on the ground at the church level to, to talk about, man, this is what Summit Church is doing, blah, 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 right. and, and not recognize that and the, only, the only way we're able to do this is because of these partnerships that we have. Yeah. Yeah. So something is, as tangible as um, of when we talk about a church plant on, on social media, to just give you something really practical, mm-hmm. like celebrating mm-hmm. it as a Summit Network in a NAM SBC plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and I, I think a lot of planters um, and some of these micro networks forget that. Yeah, right? they mm-hmm. they forget to they get just with the best of intentions, kind of caught up in, mm-hmm. in what they're doing and forget to celebrate those broader yeah. partnerships that make it happen. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. So, what's on the horizon? What are you guys uh, planning for the future? I mean, a thousand churches, one lifetime. I want to ask you where you're at, but <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, tell us. I mean, tell us as much as you're willing and comfortable to share. Yeah. But what's on the horizon and your vision for that? No, I, the running joke is like if you know if, if we start getting close to this because we originally said a thousand churches in forty years, right? And uh, if we start getting close to that forty year mark, it's not going well. We'll, we'll just switch it to forty churches in a thousand years and just <laughs> celebrate our victory. Or, or you start, you're, you're start asking yourself, okay, which lifetime are you starting to record? Like right, a thousand right, right. Years yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Is it the when the, did the forty years start? The youngest <laughs> member of your church is it their right. lifetime? You know. Um, yeah. So by God's grace. Um, we've planted about 250 churches. Yeah. Um, so about 40 something in the U S and the rest yeah. internationally. Awesome. Um, um, so we're hopeful that a thousand could be too few. Yeah. And yeah. I don't say that because I believe that much in what we're doing. We've just found that when we don't limit, you know, what God can do that he surprises us a lot of yeah. times. Absolutely. Um, so, um, but, you know, as far as where we're at, what we're wrestling with, um, you know, so we've, we've started 40-something churches. Um, all, of our, all of our churches have this value of sending and multiplication. Mm-hmm. That's one of, the, one of the unique things that I think about sending is it's just such a demonstration of grace, right? Mm-hmm. When you've experienced a church... Um, you know, not only getting behind you financially, not only training, but 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 saying, "Hey, we'll send twenty five people with you." Right. And one of the things we do is, as soon as those people commit to the team, they can start directing their tithe towards the plant. Mm. Just yeah. just little things like mm-hmm. that that just communicate generosity. Yeah. Yeah. And when you've been on the receiving end of that, you can't not right. do that for somebody else. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's that. It's just yeah. the the. Um, the generosity of the gospel, just you know, in a tangible way, it is beautiful, right? And yeah. it, it, our guys, so our guys, just they go out kind of compelled with this, like I have to do this for somebody else at some point because yeah. it's been done for me. Um, so our guys have the vision; they've got the um, they've got the value, um, but we're not seeing as much second, third generation planting as as we had hoped. Um, and I think what we're beginning to pinpoint is. Um, is there's just some gaps in our discipleship and leadership development. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of our guys reproduce what they've seen with us or some version of it. Yeah. And I think as we've seen some of those gaps in our pipelines within some of church, it's, it's 
highlighting, hey, these gaps exist in some of our church plants too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're now beginning to tackle that collaboratively, which is cool. Bring those churches back to the table and say, hey, what are y'all learning? How can we do this better together? How do we need yeah. to change? Yeah. Um, and I'm excited. It's, it's, I think it could be, really be a game changer, um, you know, not just for us, but, but yeah. hopefully for, mm-hmm. you know, other churches that we're connected to. I'm going to ask you a hard question. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a missiologist, uh, Stanley, uh, Stanley Skreslet, uh, Presbyterian. He, he said that uh, mission structures are like the uh, enfleshing or the flesh on basically our theology of mission. So in a sense, if you were to take a mission structure and reverse engineer it, you discover what an organization or what a church's theology of mission is. Mm -hmm. And so um, what's the theology of mission informing the way that you guys are planting and the way that you're organizing, um, the way that you're planting churches? Yeah. Uh, Way to throw out the light terminology there. (laughs) Um, Hey, man, you're, you're working on a doctorate, so... Actually, I just parlayed into a D-man, so... Hey, that's still I'll a doctorate. Took, I took the easy way out. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 man. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you just kind of a, a, a snippet, a, a glimpse, and, and you can follow up and tell me if that was sufficient. Um, I'm not looking for anything. I just man, I want to know why you're doing what you guys are doing. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, underneath it all is, is the conviction that... Um, their great commission is going to be accomplished through mm-hmm. multiplication. Mm-hmm. The great commission is going to be accomplished by making disciples that make disciples, and the church is the vehicle to, mm-hmm. that God's given us to accomplish that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the more disciples we make, the more churches we plant, you know, the the closer we're going to get to that that reality, and that's worth sacrificing for. Yeah. It's worth. It's that value has got to um, com- compete with, and in a lot of cases, trump. Addition. Mm-hmm. Um, addition is valuable because it's lost people that we're reaching. Yeah. But um, if we don't let multiplication compete, then we're going to miss out on the opportunity to, to do some things that could be bigger uh, mm-hmm. for the for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, so that's that's become more of our our scorecard over the last few years. We just celebrated in the last year. There are now as many. Yeah, you know, Summit's a large church, so this this would look differently for others. But you know, Summit runs somewhere around ten, eleven thousand on the weekend in attendance. So we just celebrated in the last year. We now have as many people worshiping at a, at a church that we've started as we do at Summit. That's cool. And That's we're putting amazing. those things up in front of our people yeah. and yeah. celebrating them yeah. alongside our own metrics. Yeah. yeah. That's something I love about your church is that you celebrate the sending as much and you really shine a light upon it and that you um, empower, equip and inspire people, uh, you know, of all ages um, to be on mission, to live on mission and, and to think that they are sent. So I love that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that we just continue to, to strive, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do better and you know, I, I think with that, um, you know, I was I was fortunate in God's providence. Um, before I did seminary, I got to spend a couple of years overseas, and so I, I kind of came into seminary with a, with a missionary mindset. Um, but then I was fortunate to study under some guys in seminary like Timothy Tennant, if you're familiar with his work, mm-hmm. that uh, really, really exposed me to a lot of the missional conversation 
early yeah. in mm-hmm. some ways before it, it broke mainstream. And so, yeah. um, you know, in, in God's province ending up at Summit, I have strived, you know, whether I've done a good job of it, you know, is for others to place a verdict on, to, to, to try and think well about contextualization as we plant guys out, yeah. to try and be honest about who our church is, what our, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, what our values are that transcend and which ones don't, yeah. and, and try and give permission then to, to guys to think outside the box to, to our church planners mm-hmm. and our church planning teams. I was going to say, you send out church planning teams that include women too, right. so that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, give them permission to think outside the box. Let them know, hey, you, you don't have to do things exactly the same way we do. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and um, because of that, I think God has has used a lot of our teams to man to do some great work in cities mm-hmm. that we're learning from, mm-hmm. and then um, and then we bring them back in, and, and they teach our guys you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases better than we could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, man. A lot of our listeners are uh, organizational leaders. They lead church planning organizations. Uh, they're your peers. They lead networks. Um, if you can share one last thought with them, uh, one thing that, man, you, you, you can't lead your organizations without thinking about, uh, what would that one thing be? I think it's, I think we've got a discipleship challenge. Um, one of the ways I've benefited from uh, this conversation with Exponential, and I've been a part of a, a cohort with other network leaders that they put together over the last year, um, man, it's just exposed to me how much of that seeker-sensitive church growth model still underlies a lot of our methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I say that with some respect because there's a lot of positives that came out of it, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think it's hindered us in some areas in discipleship. And I, mm-hmm. and I think there's some harder questions that that there are people out there that are asking, um, but in the mainstream we haven't quite gotten to yet mm-hmm. um, in terms of how effectively our, our discipleship, some of our discipleship strategies are really reproducing disciples that can right. make disciples and reproduce. Right. Um, and that's something that we're starting to press into. A lot of our church plans have been pressing into mm-hmm. um, that, you know, macro multiplication um, at the level that we need in terms of mm-hmm. planting churches is never going to happen until micro multiplication happens well. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is more and more churches, networks, et cetera, are getting into church planting every day. Praise God. That's awesome. Um, I have tons of conversations with churches that are starting residencies, mm-hmm. but we're all fishing from the same pool. Exactly. And that pool is getting smaller and smaller. Yep. And so it's becoming more and more common that you have a guy who's talking to three different churches about their residencies and stacking them up against each other to see right. which is which offers the most. Right. And that's a sign that we're in trouble. Yeah. So unless we figure out how to start developing more of these people, which which from begins within. from within. Yeah. Um, then you know, we're just, we're not going to be able to, to impact losses the way we need to. One of the biggest questions I get from denominational leaders is how do we continue to relate to church planning networks as a denomination? How do we relate to these networks that are popping up? 
Um, is it reasonable and healthy for church planners to plant denominationally, but also be committed to these networks? And I think what the Summit Network has done is they've shown us that networks, especially within a denomination, they provide church planters an immediate family of churches that have the same values and ministry philosophy sometimes, usually, but also it allows planners to meaningfully belong to something bigger, to a denomination, a tradition. I love how Mike said it. He says, uh, did you catch what he said? He says that it's these micro groups or these networks that are helping large institutions to maintain a movement-like dynamic. And so within the denominations, the, 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 the innovation of networks help the larger institution to maintain a movement dynamic. Uh, the more denominations and networks work together, they'll gain the benefits of the strengths that each one has to offer the other. Denominations have the strength of heritage and tradition while networks have the strength of agility and innovation. So a network like the Summit can focus on planning churches nearby college campuses, as Mike explained, so that their denomination doesn't have to be an expert on it. And the denomination experiences renewal and the benefit of having these new innovative churches affiliate, while networks don't have to recreate the ongoing infrastructure and benefits of a long-standing institution. And the Summit Network is a great example of how this partnership is furthering the kingdom here in North America and all around the world. Can you do me a favor? Can you subscribe to our podcast and let others know about it? You can also share this episode on Twitter and Facebook. Just tell people about it. And if you have any questions or comments, go to sendinstitute.org. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.